Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Lauren Ham of the This Alaska Life YouTube channel and the Alaska Boys YouTube channel as well. So Lauren, thank you very much for joining us. It was a uh, it's kind of a close thing. We uh, we actually both managed to get on here with about ten seconds to spare. So that's that's uh, that's living life as a parent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, today uh, we're very fortunate to have Lauren on here. Um, you know, like I said, she does run a couple channels, and really, what she does is she um, has this awesome channel that yeah, kind of shows what it's like living up here as a family. And, um, you know, she kind of shows kind of the behind the scenes of what it's like actually living up here. So for those of you with families, um, this is going to be a, a great live stream where you can get all of your questions answered. Um, as always, I'm going to have just some some general questions here to kind of get us started. But with these live streams, they are always going to be as good as the questions that we have coming in. So if you do have questions, don't be shy, throw them out there. So, Lauren. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get just jump right into this. Then, um, why don't you go ahead and just kind of give us um, um, a feel for your channel? Kind of, um, you know, I kind of gave like a, a very gen generic snapshot of what it is you guys do over there. But uh, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about your channel and you know what it is that you guys guys do with that. All right. Um, so my name is Lauren. And like you said, I run the YouTube channel This Alaska Life. And my husband has a YouTube channel called Alaska Boys. And This Alaska Life covers being a mom of four boys. I have four boys ages 12 down to five in Alaska. We are a hunting, fishing family. So we take everybody on adventures to go hunting and fishing and things like that. But then I also love to shop at Costco and love doing things around the house. So I share those things as well. We really love living in Alaska. So we try and give an accurate representation of what it's like to raise a family here. Everything from cost of groceries to just some fun things that you can do with your family to make sure that you're active all months of the year. Yeah, well, I guess that uh, that kind of helps us just jump right into this then. So uh, what are some fun things to do around this time of year? Because that's uh, that's something I'm trying to figure out like personally. I'm like taking up guitar now just because like nothing really to do like when summer's done, but the snow hasn't really fallen yet. So, you know, what's the code for that? <laughs> Well, like I said, we are a hunting and fishing family. So for us right now, we are in the middle of processing all of our meat, uh, making sure that all of last year's meat is put to good use. So we're doing a lot of canning. Um, there's still stuff to do. <laughs> uh, we are just getting our houses ready for winter. If you have a, a big house, then you got to make sure that you get all your hoses in, your garden taken care of, um, your trampoline put away before the snow falls. So there is a lot to do around the house. Um, but our kids are getting really into, they like to go swimming. So we've started taking them swimming at the indoor high school swimming pools and, um, getting them their skis for winter. They are cross country skiers. So those things have to get bought right now, because if you wait until the snow flies, then it will, they'll be gone. And then um, also just getting our tires changed over. So really for 
a big family like ours, there's a lot to do. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um, <laughs> life's, life's not as simple when you're uh, single and no kids. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess just coming up with stuff to do in your spare time is not the worst that it can be. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah. Spare time is not a problem that I have. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's, let's take a step back here real quick. Um, we, you know, we've had you on the, the podcast before kind of talking about uh, what your experience has been just with uh, kind of your story and, and coming up here. But for the live stream, why don't you go and jump into that again real quick? So I was not born and raised here. I moved to Alaska when I was 14 years old with my parents and a couple siblings. And um, we fell in love with Alaska. I started fishing with my dad and mountain biking and things like that. And then moved away for college. I came home for the summer, met my husband. His name is Mark, and he is born and raised in Alaska. And so he takes Alaska to a whole new level um, with us. His his dad had a small airplane. Small airplanes are a big part of life for many people in Alaska. Not, a, not all people in Alaska by any means, but there is a very there's a much bigger uh, concentration of small airplanes in Alaska than other places. And so he grew up with his dad flying. And so he also has his pilot's license and loves to hunt and fish and just took it all to a whole new level. So when we finished college, we moved back up here as quickly as possible. He is an accountant and I am, uh, I was an elementary school teacher until our oldest son was born. And now I stay home with the kids. And so um, I'm here available to ready to get us ready for adventures all summer long and all winter long. And um, yeah, so that is kind of our story. Oh, outstanding. So that's really interesting to me that, um, I mean, your kids have really never lived outside of Alaska. So, you know, what's that like when you guys, when you guys go and visit other states? Um, so my parents are what is called snowbirds. Uh, they live up in Alaska in the summertime and then they live in Arizona in the wintertime. So we will go and visit Arizona in the winter. Um, it's always good to plan some sort of trip out of Alaska at some point during the winter, just cause it can get really, really long with the dark. And so we try and plan a trip to either Hawaii or to visit grandma and grandpa in Arizona. And they love it. They love Arizona in the winter time when it's like 70 degrees. If we go anywhere and it's hot, they have very little tolerance for heat. Um, but they have an amazing tolerance for cold. They will stay out on a frozen lake ice fishing for hours with, you know, proper clothing and some hot chocolate and a fire pit. You know, we try and prepare for those kind of things to make sure that they can stay out, but it's amazing what Alaska kids can do. But um, they do enjoy going out, but we don't travel a whole lot because no, there's no reason to leave Alaska during the summertime, but we will try and make a trip outside of Alaska at some point each winter. Gotcha. So I guess Florida is probably not gonna be the place they gravitate towards when they get older, huh? Uh, no. <laughs> They're welcome to go wherever they want, but um, several of them, I think, will be joining us back in Alaska after college and things because it's in it's they've um, they follow after my husband and just like love everything about Alaska. Yeah, well, I mean, that's so cool that you've got, you know, the dad in there that's, you know, just actively involving the kids and and kind of a lifestyle 
of living up here in Alaska. It's not just enjoying the state, but I mean, also it's, it's having that responsibility of taking care of them, the family and all that too. Cause um, I mean, that's something we'll jump in here in a little bit, but remember before you mentioned that you guys don't really shop for a whole lot of meat. So a lot of it is going to be like the hunting, the fishing. So um, it really sounds like you kind of instill a lot of responsibility in those boys right from the get-go here. Yes. So um, my husband's family has always hunted. I did not grow up doing that. Um, But when we got married, his parents were like, hey, we got a moose. Come and help uh, butcher that moose. And so I was just like, okay. And at first it was uh, very strange to me how just it all worked. I just had never been around any of that. Um, as the years went by and we got a moose, someone in the family got a moose every year and we help each other out at, through the butchering. I was like, okay, I got to figure out where I fit in this. And now it is an entire family activity. Um, I'm just editing a video right now from our moose hunt this year. It'll come out this Sunday and it shows how the entire family is a part of the harvesting and butchering process. Um, our oldest son who is 12 got his first moose. So he is even a part of the hunting process this time. That is his first big game animal. And, um, we just all help and we all find our spots and what we do, you know, I will never know every cut of meat. That's just not something that I'm interested in. Um, but I am really good at using the grinder to grind up the meat. I'm really good at packaging it. So we all find our find our way. And so between that and the fish, um, <laughs> I'm going to have a visitor here in just a second. Um, it's just that's part of our family. Hold on. Sorry. It's like, this is the real authentic life here, people. <laughs> real authentic life. So real quick, uh, while Lauren's taking care of family there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know, we do have an announcement that I'll be um, I'll be talking about here at the end. I'm pretty excited about a uh, new development for the channel. But um, Lauren, got you back. Yeah. Crisis averted. <laughs> Yeah, the 12-year-old should be able to help him. So <laughs> he wants a pretzel. Now it's, well, I get it. That's 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 important. You got, that's a priority. <laughs> so Lauren, real quick, I've got a question here. And the first one is from Lakota Gallifer. Lauren, you started, uh, stated that you moved to Alaska when you were 14. What was the biggest culture shock other than the weather that you experienced? Let me think. So the darkness is a big culture shock. Um, it gets very dark. I actually moved here in November from Texas. So the cold and the dark immediately was just like, oh, this is very different. Um, yeah. What part just, of Texas did you move from? Um, right outside of Houston. Oh, so it was like all human. That's like the human heat you're used to, too, when you're coming up here. Yeah, it was very, very different. Um, it took me a while to make friends. And then <clears throat> just because we came in, in the middle of the year, but that didn't really matter. But just um, one of the biggest culture shocks was just like kind of the extreme hobbies that people have here. We just were like when summertime rolled around, just the hunting and fishing. Well, not hunting for us, but just the fishing culture and things like that. Um, the we were always shocked by just how 
gorgeous it is here. It's just a land of extremes, um, extreme weather, extreme beauty, um, extreme light and darkness. So that was one of the biggest uh, changes. Did you find that, I mean, obviously you were coming in about halfway through the year. Did you find like the, the kids were pretty receptive to you know, people moving in from the, you know, from the outside and kind of making room and being friendly when you first got there? You know, that was a really long time ago. Okay. <laughs> it was important. I was actually just reflecting on this today. It was important to immerse myself and get involved in things. Um, I had a little bit of a hard time making friends coming in in November, but then I joined the intramural basketball team and um, I actually just had several girls from that intramural basketball team visiting my house last week. So I was able to make some really good friends that then just lasted through high school and beyond. So um, we, I community, there are great communities here, especially if you get involved in um, church congregations and things like that. There are wonderful people up here. Um, you just got to find your place. Yeah. I mean, find the place and kind of find your activity too. Yeah, I mean, that's really, based. yeah, that's, that's really how you meet people up here. I mean, it's, it's really easy to do if you're into fishing or in, into hunting. So, I mean, I'll go down like combat fishing or whatever, be shoulder to shoulder with people. And easiest thing ever to do is to strike up a conversation. And, um, I mean, my, my older brother, he gets really social very quickly when <laughs> we're, when we're down there and talking with people and, you know, usually he'll kind of stick to himself a little bit, but yeah, just a completely different vibe once he's down there with everybody. Cause I mean, everyone's got the same interests there. So it's just very easy to kind of bond with people that are down there. And I like to just ask people, especially if I meet somebody that lives maybe out in the bush or in a very small Alaska community, I just ask questions and start listening and people have the most amazing lives and stories people that live in off-grid cabins like you can have whatever kind of life you want in Alaska that's one of the really cool things you can live in a dry cabin you can live in a neighborhood you can live in an apartment building like um, you can live in a very small town you can't live in a huge town that we don't have huge cities but you know you can live in Anchorage and have grocery stores and Costco and things like that there's just whatever of that um, spectrum you want, Alaska can give it. So that's really fun. Right. So, I mean, I, I know you guys live in Eagle River now. So what, what do you guys think you're going to eventually move somewhere else? That's might be a little bit more kind of, um, I hate using the word off grigs. It's such an overused, abused <laughs> word, phrase. Remote, I guess. More remote. Let's use that. Um, you guys think you'll ever go find something more remote? So I just say we like to have the best of both worlds. Um, I love my home. I love Costco. I love being able to run right to the grocery store. But we also have a cabin that is off grid um, on the ocean. And we go there usually for a week at a time because it takes either an airplane ride and a boat ride or a drive, a five hour drive, a 45 minute ferry ride and then a 15 minute boat ride to get there. So you, once you're there, you want to be there for a while. So we kind of get the best of both worlds. We spend at least three weeks there over the course of the summer. So 
we may get another cabin somewhere like in interior Alaska someday, but for now we just love to come home and then love to go camp and fly places. And I feel like we can get the best of both worlds living in a bigger city. Right, right. So where's that cabin at? Like, is that, that sounds like Homer? It's Soldovia. So you have to get to Homer, which is, you know, 300 miles from Anchorage. And then you have to get across to Soldovia, which requires an airplane or a boat ride. Yeah, that's that's some commitment to get out there. <laughs> well, outstanding. So probably not going to be Airbnb that thing out anytime soon. No, no, it's too special. It's just a family thing. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. So we're going to jump in just to some some generic topics here. And, you know, folks that are, you know, kind of watching here, feel free to, to chime in and throw what specific questions that you have in here. Um, like I said, I've got some some stuff to get us started, but you know, make sure you throw your questions in there, too, so we can get those answered. So um, just in general, this is like a 30,000 foot view question. What is it like raising a family in Alaska? Because, I mean, the the living here, it's awesome. Um, what are some of the the challenges, though, of of raising a family in Alaska? Um, one of the challenges that I find is just keeping them outfitted for all the seasons. Uh, just making sure you have the right sizes and the right gear. Uh, one of the most important things I have found being a mom here is having the right equipment for whatever weather or activity you're doing. Um, having four boys kind of in succession. Luckily, we've been able to hand some things down, but that's not always the case because they're rough on things and they, um, you know, they wear them out. Uh, so that is one thing, just making sure that they have the right equipment, right clothing. You need the rain gear for the summer. You need the new boots. You have to wear boots 12 months out of the year, especially if you're around water, um, fishing gear, snow gear, keeping track of all the gloves and hats and things like that can be a big um, job. It is expensive to raise kids here. Uh, food is expensive. Uh, if you eat, want to eat out, we do not eat out a lot because food is so expensive. And I just, um, it's just not in our family culture to uh, go eat at a restaurant. So I buy a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables and those kind of things can get really spendy. My rule of thumb is I try and keep my fruits under $2 a pound. That's pretty much impossible for vegetables. Um, but I try and keep my fruits under that. Uh, we grow a garden in the summertime and we, like we said, we hunt and fish to try and keep those prices down. But those things aren't free either because you're paying for airplane fuel, you're paying for boat fuel. And so even though it's free meat and fish, um, you're paying for it with uh, those other things and your time. Um, yeah, I mean, unless it just shows up in your backyard. <laughs> But then you're not allowed to shoot it. I think yeah. people have these um, ideas that hunting is really easy in Alaska, but there is quite a bit to it. You have to um, get your permits the year before. You have to you have to put in for the permits. It is a draw system for most things, and so you don't. Not everybody just gets to go shoot something. Um, and if you don't get a permit, there are certain areas you can still go hunt, but there are very strict criteria about what you're allowed to get if you get those things. And then there's a lot of competition. So, um, you know, we say we're a hunting family and we've been very, very blessed to get a moose pretty much for the past 15 years, but it's been with a lot of hard work. Um, my husband went hunting five weekends in a row cause he Ooh. still has a full-time job. Um, and finally got one on the Saturday, no, the Friday before the season closed. So 
it's it's a big it's a big deal. So that's that's some persistence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else with raising the family? Um, the schools are decent. There's lots of different programs available. Um, it could be kind of hard to choose from those. We are having issues like most of the United States right now, not having busing, which can be really hard for parents that are working. Luckily, I am home, so I'm able to get my kids to and from school. Um, but we are having problems with buses. Um, but just other things are just kind of normal problems of, or things that are hard being a parent anywhere. Right. Right. So what are you guys seeing as far as the, um, I mean, the, the schooling options? Um, cause I know here in Eagle river, we've got charter schools, we've got public school, we've got homeschool. Um, we've got a pretty good assortment of educational options up here. Are you guys finding that you're able to, to get like all of the, the academic interests that the, the kids have, the boys have in order to, to set them up? Or do you have to try to look abroad a little bit and kind of get creative with some of the options out there? So we, um, our kids are in public school. We've had good uh, success with that. Um, we did homeschool during the pandemic and was very happy with the options for homeschooling. Uh, Alaska is a very lenient state when it comes to homeschooling, meaning like they offer quite a bit of money and there's not as many requirements that are might be in other states. Um, and then there are lots, like I said, there are lots of programs. If you're willing to drive your kids around, there are language programs. There's a German program, Japanese, Spanish immersion. Um, so there's options there. There are programs for gifted and talented. There's like STEM programs. Um, my son is now in middle school and the after school sports for middle school have become amazing. I'm just so impressed with the cross country running just finished. Um, there's girls volleyball, boys and girls wrestling. Um, they do cross country skiing, which um, when I moved here and I was like, what are they doing? I, that was amazing to me when I moved up here that that was offered through the schools. Um, so there are lots of options for that. Even my son did mountain biking at the end of last year in middle school and had a blast. So I've been really impressed with that through the schools. Man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It kind of made me laugh hearing you talk about the, the German, a lang, uh, German language immersion school. Cause, um, back in the day, I actually did work as a substitute teacher for a season or so. And, um, I actually did end up going and, um, you know, serving as a sub there. They saw my last name. I think they just automatically assumed <laughs> Gurker and I was going to learn like no German. They were very disappointed when I showed up. <laughs> Yeah, but, I taught at the that, Russian immersion. I taught at the Russian immersion school, but thankfully it was on the neighborhood side. I never had to learn any Russian, so I, okay, I, that, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, it, it gets difficult disappointing that many people <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> at a large scale. So let me uh, get to a couple questions real quick here. Um, this is just from Stephen K. Hey, Lauren, thank you for doing the shopping trips. I really enjoy those and not just Costco, but Three Bears, Walmart, and all of them. Thank you. Let's see. Pokey Arnold, how are the bills? So I'm sure that's uh, that's what everybody 
um, everybody's really wanting to know here. So I think we've talked at length about your shopping trips before. Um, do you have kind of a general idea for what the budget is maybe on a, a monthly, um, monthly shopping trip? And then if you've seen that go up in the recent months, just with inflation. Yeah, I was looking for a piece of paper. I'm not seeing it, but I had just written down all my bills for a video that I'm filling out or I'm about to film. But um, so you, you can go if you want a more in depth. I can't find the paper right now, but I will be doing a video about that here soon on this Alaska life. But um, grocery bills. Well, it just it's so varied because people buy different things. But um Oh, I spend anywhere from $300 to $600 a week at Costco. I don't do much shopping at grocery stores. Otherwise, um, maybe $100, maybe $200 a month at other grocery stores. Um, our highest costs are our home um, and property taxes. Those can be quite high. Uh, our electric bill and our heating bill in the winter, they're... Um, we are on like a budget bill. So both of those are around $200 a month. Um, and then we pay for, you know, garbage and recycling and things like that. Um, we pay more for a bear garbage can that locks. That's kind of a unique thing. Um, I think we pay an extra like $10 a month to have that so that we can keep our gar garbage outside. We used to keep it in our garage, but then it gets really stinky but we did have a bear get into our regular garbage can. So we our only options were to get a bear can, which would lock or to store it in the garage. That's not a problem in the winter. You can store them outside once the bears go to sleep. But, um, yeah. So the now, bills, how much, are high. so the, so the bear lock, um, what does this look like? I'm, I'm actually curious now. Like the only thing I've seen before are like these lame little extra piece of plastic, that like clips up over the, the lip and that does not look like it's going to stop um, really anything bigger than a squirrel if it decides it's going to get in there. So like how serious is this bear lock? Oh, so it just comes from the, it like it's a separate type of garbage can. Like they come pick up your regular one and drop off a bear can. It has a big bear on the tops and you just, you actually have to squeeze and undo a lock to get it open. And so it works. Okay. Like if it knock, because usually what the bears do is they knock your trash over and then they just eat whatever they want. So if they knock it over, it's still closed. So if they probably stood on it and like really bounced, then they could get into it. But we've never had a problem gotcha. since getting the bear can. That is good to know. I've not really had a problem with it just where I'm at right now, but you never know. Yeah. So got another question here from Pokey. So this one's probably going to be for me, actually. So uh, for just me, would groceries be cheaper for a single person? Plus, I've never had um, deer meat before. So um, I can actually answer that as a single person. Yes, a lot cheaper. Um, I will go to Costco. I will spend 300 bucks, and that will be the bulk of my groceries for like three months. So... <laughs> Um, yes, significantly cheaper and, uh, Costco all the way, the membership is going to be worth its weight in gold up here. So you definitely want to do that. I'm also pretty, pretty frugal, uh, thrifty. I like that word better thrifty about going out to eat as well. So 
I'll usually spend 150, 200 or so a month on food total. And that includes going out, getting produce and all that other stuff. So yeah, just a little bit cheaper. If you're uh, feeding a family and uh, four growing boys, that's, that's going to be an entirely different story. <laughs> and another thing about my grocery shopping, um, I think sometimes people are a little shocked by how much I spend, but because of our family and how things are in Alaska, there are problems with, um, if, if emergencies happen, like an earthquake or things, you might not be able to get stuff. So when I'm shopping at Costco or any shopping, I'm always buying for that week, for that month and for that year. Like I try and get a little bit of extra. Um, we store it in our, we have extra food storage so that I'm not always having to run to the store. So between our freezers and that food storage, we would be okay for several months if something were to happen. And then we eat through that. I'm not just leaving it on a shelf for months. It's stuff that we would eat. So I might grab an extra two things of peanut butter when it's on sale, um, an extra couple of boxes of cereal and things just so that we have it. Um, so those groceries, yes, they're for that week or 10 days, but I'm just in the habit of buying a little bit for this week, a little bit for this month, and then a little bit for the year ahead. Yeah, and that's and that's really smart. Um, I mean, I was doing that myself on um, just my you know single person budget, and I looked up one day, and it's like, well, I've got over a hundred pounds of of um, brown rice at this point. So, yeah, I am just fine if there's ever a, a nuclear fallout. <laughs> All right, got a quick question here from, I know I'm going to mispronounce this. Call me later and we'll uh, we'll sort Eloise. out how to pronounce it. Eloise Perry, so what percentage of your garden produce accounts for your total fresh produce supply versus, versus purchasing at the store? Are you truly able to grow enough in your climate? So with Alaska summers, with all the daylight, if you are an actual gardener, you can produce an amazing amount of food. Um, a lot of people put in greenhouses and you can get started earlier than I can. Um, I am the laziest gardener around because we, like I said, we spend so much time uh, camping and uh, going to the cabin all summer. So my garden is a mess. And we still get, we get enough to just, we just more play around. We get lots, but there are things that grow really well. Cabbage, um, broccoli, cauliflower, uh, zucchinis, things like that, that don't need a greenhouse. That's what we grow. And we could grow enough cabbage to last us a long time. Potatoes grow really well. So we do grow a, a potato garden. Um, carrots grow well. So not everything grows well here, but the things that do, you could definitely get a good supply. If you um, want to see like a really serious homestead that just gets so much from their garden, look up Simple Living Alaska. Um, they will show you the possibilities of gardens. Um, I am a lazy gardener. I <laughs> no no qualms about saying it and admitting it. <laughs> yeah, I really wish like corn grew better up here than it does, but... Yeah, those those just typically don't do very well. Um, cherries don't really do very well either. It's usually like vegetables, not a whole lot of like fruits that grow real well up here. People have good luck with apple trees. Um, our neighbors, two of our neighbors have apples and I was able to can a ton of applesauce and apple pie filling and things. Um, and like I said, I know people that have greenhouses that have tons of fruit trees, but you, you need a greenhouse for those. And you have to protect them from moose. Moose love apple trees and 
any sort of fruit trees. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really big. Do you know how they protect against moose? Fence. You just have fence. to have a fence. But our neighbor has, one neighbor has a really big fence and his is fine, but um, rabbits got in and kind of ate around the bottom and one of them's dying now. And, but the moose, like the other one has a smaller type, just like he puts in stakes and puts around wire. But one day a baby moose went, uh, like got down and like went under and got stuck in there. And so then made a huge mess. And then um, the mom moose like grabbed a top branch and broke it. So there's, they're just can be pesky. Uh, they've been hanging out in our raspberry patch. We have a very large raspberry patch and um, they've been hanging out in there because it's the last leaves in Alaska right now. And they're just stripping every <laughs> plant as they walk by. <laughs> so they can be a pesk. <laughs> and if you have a garden, you do have to protect it. Um, at least a five to seven foot fence has to be around it or they will come by and just go and it'll be gone. Yep. All year for you, five minutes for them. Yep. Like, <laughs> for them, that's uh, that's just their, that is their, uh, their fast food for them. So yep. you're going to feel very philanthropic, but uh, nothing really else. All right, got a couple more questions here, and then we'll move on to a new topic. But are there many farmers markets? What types of things um, or foods are available for reference? I live in Vancouver, Washington, where farmer markets are everywhere. Uh, yes, there are farmers markets up north of us uh, in Palmer. It is uh, really nice farmland. Uh, there's farmer markets in Anchorage. I think all year round at the Midtown Mall. Um, but they're not going to be as abundant as you have in Vancouver, Washington, not at all, but there are a few, especially in the summertime, late summer, when things are, um, finally ready to, um, you know, I, what's the word? I can't even think of it, but when you're finally ready to harvest in the fall or late summer and fall. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I, you can see them like kind of popping up all over the place during the, you know, during the summertime. So um, yeah. yeah, they're definitely there. Um, yeah, but you're probably not going to have as much variety no. as you would have over in Washington. So, um, yeah, totally agree. All right. And this one just kind of made me laugh. So I've got one from uh, Lakota Gallifer. Not trying to be funny, but how do you um, use the various door dashes, Uber Eats, when you want to take out or delivery with all the wildlife around? <laughs> Um, well, the drivers are going to be used to the wildlife, so they're, they're just gonna, there's not that much, like we talk about it and you will see moose and you will see bears, but well, most people do. Some people don't ever see them. I don't know. It just depends on, I've never used DoorDash or Uber Eats, but I know lots of people do. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, if you don't see some kind of wildlife at some point while you're here, like you probably you probably weren't living your best Alaska life. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have to almost get like eaten or anything like that, but you at least need to see something. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. So let's uh let's see here. So we've kind of talked about how expensive it can be up here. What are some ways that people can kind of minimize their expenses? You know, from those of us who are um who are thrifty, not frugal, not cheap, thrifty. Well, even being frugal, I think just means that you're smart with your money, no matter how much you have. So, um, 
I think there are a lot of hobbies that take a little bit of an investment up front, um, but are important. It's really important to invest in hobbies in Alaska to keep yourself busy. Um, but you can, you know, you can go fishing from shore in a lot of places, but it just takes a little bit of an investment for the waders and, um, your fishing poles and stuff, but, uh, just find some hobbies and because in the long run, those things will be less expensive than, you know, like chartering things all the time. Um, I think just making sure that you, if you are a family, you got a meal plan. Like you don't want to be wasting all that food. That's really expensive. Um, use the things that, you know, try and harvest things in the summertime that you can, and then use those things throughout the year. Don't just let them go to waste in your freezer. Um, buy things when they're in season. I do not buy berries at Costco because my kids would eat them in 30 seconds. And I'd be like, that was $20 worth of berries. Uh, we pick berries in the summertime. We have them in the freezer. We eat them as much as we can. We gorge ourselves on them in the summertime. And then we just kind of live without some things sometimes because the price is just too high and that's okay. Um, so those are some of the ways that I would say. Yeah. Where did you go to, to get the berries this year? Cause <clears throat> I went to, um, I went to Hatcher's Pass and I went, no joke, up there three times. It was either too, way too early, or it was like right on the tail end, or they were like completely picked clean by the time I got up there. So where did you go and what time did you go there? <laughs> well, we are spoiled rotten. We get them at our cabin. Um, uh, they are Alaska yeah. huckleberries, so you're not going up in the mountains. Um a lot of the coastal villages have really good huckleberries. So a lot of people think going up in the mountains and getting the tundra um, blueberries, but you usually have better luck if you go to like Girdwood and get the the berries that grow on the big bushes or um, Whittier has awesome berries in the fall. Um, so coastal towns, think coastal towns and go up on a hike and then you can usually find a lot more berries. Um, Homer... We get, like we, like I said, you, we got them in Seldovia. <laughs> People always are like, come, come hiking with us. But I got like 10 gallons and was like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't need any more. Um, and then ra raspberries grow amazing in Alaska. We have an acre almost of raspberries or may maybe more like a half acre. So we put up tons of jam, tons of berries from those. Um, so we're just kind of spoiled, but you can get raspberries to grow. They grow like weeds here. So I've got a lot of berry envy right now. Not going to lie. Like every time I've gone, it's been with someone where it's like, I'm there for like an hour and I'm like, yes, I finally got like a little, <laughs> a little like a Tupperware container of it. It's like, yeah, we're going place this. This is going to be going to get my bloober fix for like, <laughs> for um, like a, at least a couple weeks here and it's like, we're still doing good. And they're like, and I want to go. And that's like, okay. <laughs> it's about <laughs> well, the experience. It's about hanging out with people. Some. It's not about the berries. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a freezer full though and a bunch of syrup. So the next time we run into each other, I'll, I'll give you some. Sounds good. Looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, look at that. Got somebody who lives in Homer. That's awesome. We love Homer. You know, I I like Homer, but it is just so far to get out there. Like it is, yeah, 
It's a, I mean, it's literally the end of the road. So I that's... drive there every month in the summertime and it's just an adventure to me. And I like look forward to it every time. I have several videos on our channel of us driving um, just to show it off because it's just my favorite. Yeah. I mean, when you get out there on like a really clear day, I mean, for those of you who haven't um, gone to Homer or seen the pictures, you need to treat yourself and go check that out because you get out there, it's it's kind of high up there. You've got the mountains around you and you've just got ocean all really the way sure. around you too. So just absolutely amazing view. Um, but let's see here. What are some other things people can do to minimize their expenses? You know, I would say probably the biggest one is going to be the, the cost of heating. Um, that's that's going to be all over the place because, I mean, it comes down to like how well your house is insulated, how big the house is. Um, you know, you have certain rooms where you just don't care about it. So you're going to shut off the vents and like close the doors in the closets, um, you know, within reason. I'm not talking about letting it freeze, but, you know, it's rest of the house is 65. It's going to be OK. And then like what temperature you're going to set the house at, like. And this, this goes all over the place too. Like I lived up here for quite a while and 65, absolutely lowest I'm willing to go. Like I, <laughs> oh, I, I hate it when I visit someone, certain family members and <laughs> I walk in there and the thermostat's like 55. It's like, what are you doing? You maniacs. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's going to be a big one. Um, let's see. And let's see, I, I know this is a question some of you are going to ask, kind of an average bill. Um, so just to give you some perspective, I have about a, a 6,000 square foot fourplex. I pay for the heating on it. Um, the biggest bill I got last year was just over $600 for a 6,000 square foot fourplex, you know, with, with, uh, with tenants who knew they weren't paying for the heat. So they kind of just did with whatever they wanted with it. So kind of keep that in. Uh, Our average is out to about $200 a month, but you got to keep in mind if you are thinking about moving to Alaska and it varies widely depending on where you live. So here in Anchorage, Eagle River area, you are able to just, we are plugged into the municipal gas. And so we pay a monthly gas bill. Whereas if you live up in Fairbanks and North Pole, you have to have a truck come and fill your oil tank and it can be really, really expensive. So Alaska is huge and each town has its own thing. So it's really hard to just give a number. Yeah, I'd really, I mean, especially cause I mean, I, you know, I've got a wood stove now too. And I mean, you better believe that thing's going to be cranking during the, during the actual cold months. Yeah. You know, I had it installed and kind of went crazy there for a little bit. And I was like, yeah, fire every night, you know, we're going to get it up to 78 every single night. And that was awesome. But I was like, you know, every log I'm burning now, in October, I'm not going to be able to burn during February when it's actually cold. So yeah, yeah. I've had to just accept my <laughs> 65 degree existence, at least for a couple more months here. Well, about another month. <laughs> Invest in blankets, Costco blankets. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big one. Oh, we got them all blankets. over our house. I am always in here just editing <laughs> my blanket. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a must. Um, electric blankets are really good too, which um, yeah, I mean, you can keep a house pretty cold if you have an electric blanket, 
And like the first time I got one, I had zero, zero respect for it. You know, I just laid down, you know, I cranked it up as high as it would go. And I was like, man, this is not doing anything. Okay, well, whatever. So I went to sleep and I woke up like in the middle of the night, just dying, like so dehydrated. I had to to, like get up out out of bed and like get some water as quick as I could. Like I was just dying. So it, it creeps up on you. There's some things that, you know, might cost a little bit in the beginning that can then be helpful, Um, you know, like investing in good window coverings. They're going to help you year round. In the summertime, they're going to make it so you can sleep because we do get tons of sunlight and that can really bother people, but they help insulate in the winter. So, you know, you put your blinds down, you pull your blackout curtains um, that you have for the winter, I mean, for the summer, but they help insulate and keep things better. Yep, absolutely. So this is a question I got coming in from Alicia. So heating blocks for cars during the winter, is this a must have? Um, it's helpful if you live outside of Anchorage. Anchorage doesn't get that cold, um, but people do have plugs to heat up their cars. If you have to park outside, I would, I would invest in one. It can just really help your engine. Um, I have family members that would never live anywhere that didn't have a garage and will never fill their garage with too much stuff so that they can park in their garage. And that's how we are. We don't park in our garage in the summertime, but in the winter we make sure we can park in there. Oh no, totally. It's, it's a quality of life thing for me. (laughs) Yeah. And it's more than just the cold. It's like not having to scrape the snow off and, um, I did just get an electric car starter installed. That is a huge thing in Alaska that I think a lot of people don't think about. You know, you can push a button and start your car. So if you do um, have to have it outside, that can be really nice too. I like it. My sister had it installed for me as a gift um, uh, so that when I go to the gym, I can get in a warm car afterwards. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a must. It's absolute must. <laughs> All right, so we've got a got a question here from Mr. Um, El El Cochinbon Rodriguez. I'm sorry, man. I'm I had to have butchered that. But do they have inclusive practices for students with extra needs? And any known organizations and support groups for uh, Trisomy 21? Within the schools, they are good about having um, classes and, you know, for students that need, that have extra needs. Um, I am not, um, I'm sure there are support groups, but I am not familiar with any of that. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's take a look here then. Um, What are some of your, some of your favorite activities that you can do family? You kind of mentioned the Obviously, going out to the the cabin in Soldovia, that that should be ranking somewhere up there. Um, But what are some other family activities that people can do here in the area? Um, One of our favorite summer activities is to go to the lakes and go swimming and paddle boarding. Um, You guys go swimming? Oh, yeah. Yeah, All the time. You maniacs. What are you doing? (laughs) Keep my kids out of the water. It is Um, so cold. Like even during the summertime. (laughs) You would be surprised. You're just not in the right places. You go to Mirror Lake on a day when it's 75. There are thousands of kids swimming. 
Okay. I mean, if you say so, but no, well, I promise then again, <laughs> then again, like my experience might be like a glutna and that's literally glacier oh, yeah. runoff. It's like 500 feet glacier, deep, but so. uh, Mirror Lake is not very deep. And so it gets really warm. Um, then there's lots of hikes. And the beauty about hikes is that usually there's lots of people. Um, if you go to the popular ones, so you bring your bear spray, which is just a big can of pepper spray and your kids are loud. If you have kids, <laughs> and then um, you just go and you hike around, um, fishing, camping, camping is pretty easy in Alaska. There's just lots of options, you know, to bring a tent, people go with RVs, um, whatever you want to go. Uh, Alaska has awesome parks. They put a lot of, especially the small towns, um, most of the small towns, Seward, Homer, Talkeetna, they all have these community parks that are amazing. And, um, usually in some of the, like typically in the most beautiful locations that you're just like, this is outrageous that there's a park here, um, with the views that they have. Um, lots of biking. Alaska is great. At least the Anchorage area is great for creating trails that people can recreate on. So in the summertime, mountain biking, just uh, road biking along the coastal trail, or there's like single track trails and things like that. And then those turn into ski trails in the wintertime, which you can, they do suggest that you join the um, cross country ski association to help pay for grooming, but they're groomed by the city or by um, different groups and they're fantastic. So the only investment is, you know, getting the, the skis or getting the bike and things and that, and you can do it as much as you want. So yeah, there are lots, uh, and lots of activities. Yeah. And, uh, and do not walk on that on the cross country no. ski trail during the winter time. They no. will not be happy about it. No, those trails are, and they, they have them, you know, you can tell if it's a groom trail, but there are plenty of places to just go hike or snowshoe that are not the groom trails for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So we've got a couple other questions here from Steve K uh, for the fourplex. Steve, yep, that is natural gas just with the city. So um, nothing too special there. Um, technically, each one of the units has a uh, fireplace too, but a fireplace really does nothing as far as actually producing heat for the building just because all the all the heat just goes right up the chimney. So they look pretty and they're... And they're a fire hazard for my building. So that's what they're there for. Uh, let me see. Money dog. So what about auto insurance as well as house insurance? You have to have them. <laughs> um, we we use, um, you know, there's diff there's local companies. There You can just use all the companies that they have. You know, we have them up here. Um I'm not sure if he's asking for prices. I don't, I don't look at that stuff. That's my husband's job. So I'm not sure. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I can definitely say as far as the um, house insurance, um, I know one thing a lot of people are, are always concerned about is you need extra insurance up here with Alaska, um, just with all the earthquakes. Technically, yes, you can get it. But, I mean, the amount of damage that has to be done to your house in order for it to make sense is pretty catastrophic. So And that's extra, right? Yeah, and that's that's extra you have to do on top of the regular insurance. So, for most Alaskans, most of them are not going to get earthquake insurance. And very rarely, very, 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 very rarely does it turn into 
be a, a real necessity because you know as we all found out in the the 2018 earthquake you've got to have a lot of damage in order for the earthquake insurance to kick in and to to really make sense for all the all the money you've been paying into the insurance over the years and thankfully in the 60s alaska realized that the earthquakes were a big deal you know after the big earthquake and so thankfully most of the buildings do fairly well like we had that huge earthquake and no casualties it's pretty amazing yeah that uh that was pretty special um i was yeah. in a i was teaching a classroom of middle schoolers and high schoolers at the time wow and yeah that um that that wasn't great um i was actually talking with somebody just a little bit ago and actually like the the intensity of like the shakes like that was actually right on par with like the earthquake they had back in 64. Um, the only difference was like that one we had in 2018 lasted about 48 seconds. And the one back in 64 lasted almost five minutes. Well, the 48 seconds felt like an eternity, but I could see, yeah. I like, <laughs> it's, yeah, like it was, oh man, was, I did. It was scary. We've had a lot of earthquakes the last couple of weeks too, but they're just like, have we? I'm okay. I'm I, like, I let out noticed. all those. You haven't? Oh man, we've been having a lot. I'm like, let, let's get all the little ones out. Cause then we maybe won't have a really big one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the issue is like, you know, I don't have great circulation. My extremities go numb for about four or five months. So not really going to be feeling much of anything <laughs> if it's a small tremor. <laughs> I just hear it because my dresser has these handles. So I'll hear that. And I'm like, oh, it's coming. It's a good warning system for me. That's that's smart. I need to get that. Or I guess I need to go get a dog or something like that, too, because <laughs> they're they're pretty good about that. All right. So what about the the medical insurance or medical insurance, like the, the medical care up here in Alaska? Because I know you, um, you know, broke your ankle a little while ago and uh, that uh that had to have been front and center on your mind for a little bit, the medical care up here. So, you know, what's been your experience with that up here? Um, thankfully, there is the medical field is good up here um, for the most part. If you have extreme things, people do still have to go to Seattle or go to specialists. There is a problem with not having a ton of specialists. So sometimes the wait time can be really long. And if you don't live in the Anchorage area, I have heard people say it's really hard because, you know, you're on a wait list and then you're having to come in from somewhere else, um, the Kenai Peninsula or out in the bush. That can be a little bit tricky, but thankfully the doctors know that and they will try and work with you and get, you know, appointments together if you're coming in. Uh, we own an Airbnb and we get a lot of, um, we our Airbnb is only open in the winter time and the spring, which is kind of opposite because Alaska is like summer, uh, you know, but that's how it works because my parents live in it during the summertime and we get a lot of people that come in for doctor's appointments in the big city. Um, so we are able to, they're really good pediatricians. Um, if you break an ankle and things like that, my son broke his arm and he, you know, went to the ER and got surgery and really good doctors for that. But, um, they, if you have a bigger problem, there can be problems. There is great doctors for, um, I've had all my babies here and have had really good experiences with that. 
Um, I had a baby in the NICU. Um, that wasn't a good experience, but not because of the doctor, not because of the hospital. They're just, that was just an intense experience. But my sister's since had the, a... Was the plan to have a baby there or did it just kind of happen? Uh, my son was born six weeks early um, and his heart was kind of going crazy. And so they had to keep him in... They, they shocked his heart, got him okay. Um, but he did end up having to be in the NICU for a month um, just to get all the tests and things done that he needed. And he had um, a pretty serious problem for the first year of his life. But the 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 doctors were great. We got the doctors that we needed um, and they saved his life. So hopefully that's good to hear for people. <laughs> no, I mean, we've, we've got a pretty good medical scene up here and... Yeah. You know, I mean, one thing I've noticed, though, we are constantly, constantly um, hiring new people as well. So if you're anything in the medical field, chances are yeah. you're going to be able to find some kind of occupation up here and uh, be able to get yourself in there. Like, really, the issue with talking with a lot of nurses coming up here is more about getting your your stuff transferred in just because the, the processing can be a little backlogged just because there are so many people coming up here. So really quickly, uh, I don't know if you know anything about this, but I got a question here from um, e. Lewis Perry. So do people utilize um, natural, uh, naturopathic medicine in Alaska? Are there naturopathic doctors available? So I guess first off, this is a question for me. What's, uh, which, what's naturopathic? Naturopathic. I'm not it's even... Like I'm probably more, it's like alternative that. medicine where they're not just going to... Um just give you regular pharmacy stuff that they're going to um, help with other things. Um, you know, I don't know how much there is up here. I have a sister that needs a lot of that kind of stuff, but she doesn't live here anymore. And so um, I know that can be tricky wherever you live. She's always had to travel really far for that. So I, I just, I haven't needed that. And so I haven't looked into it. Yeah. I mean, I think I've seen like a couple like little shops popping up here and there. Like, but it's more like, you know, organic stuff. It's not really. Yeah, I think you medicine. would just have to call around and just, you know, ask like what, you know, I'm sure I, even maybe a quick Google search would give you some answers because I'm sure there are. I just have, I'm just not an expert in that area. No, absolutely. <laughs> So just a couple more questions here um, for you, Lauren. And for those of you who do have questions, let's uh, let's get those in now. We've got a little bit longer here. So oh, let me uh, let me look at this real quick. Something in here from Alicia. So in Alaska, it is a naturopathic licensed state, but scope of practice is pretty small, limited to diet, supplementation, and lifestyles, and no ability to prescribe. Yeah, I haven't heard that's, a lot about it. So thanks for looking that up. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be our uh, that's probably going to be your best answer. <laughs> okay, so I guess the the question here I ask everybody is for you and your experience with living up here. What's been some of the the biggest pros and some of the biggest cons of living up here? Because you know, obviously Alaska is awesome, and you know, if you didn't love living here, you wouldn't be here. But I mean, nowhere's perfect. So 
you know, what have been some of the pros and some of the cons for you? Well, Alaska is amazing. Like it just has some of the most beautiful landscapes and opportunities to do things. Um, I think a big part of wherever you live is mindset. Like I was talking about doing the moose meat before, like I made a conscious decision at one point when I was starting to be like, Oh, this is too much. Like I gotta like be all in on this or I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And I think that's how you kind of have to approach living in Alaska. Like I'm going to be all in on this and find ways to love it here. Or I'm going to be miserable because it gets cold and it gets dark. So find ways that you love it. Like I love wintertime because I'm okay staying inside and reading books and having a fire and cooking lots of good food. In our channel, we share um, recipes of people send me in recipes or I, I just share what we're cooking anyways if I don't use somebody else's recipe. And then I make it with moose meat. So that doesn't happen a ton in the summertime. Like. I'm, I, we cook, but we don't share it. But in the winter time, like there's time to bake bread and cook. And so just following the natural rhythms of the seasons here can be really beneficial. Um, instead of trying to force what's not natural during that time, like trying to do lots of indoor activities in the summer, you'll go crazy because you, if it's a nice day, you want to be outside. Like you prioritize that. Um, my husband, works hard and plays even harder. The second he gets home from work, it's like, it's a nice day. What are we doing? Let's, let's get in the plane. Let's, um, go for a bike ride. Let's get outside. So pros are that you, there's just opportunity. If you take the time to wrap your mind around it, there's opportunities to just, um, enjoy life up here. Be just right outside your door. And if you really like solitude, um, one of the beauties of Alaska is it's so easy to find just some quiet. You don't have to be in the hustle bustle. We love traveling to big cities um, and we are so grateful to come home. Um, if <laughs> We have summer traffic because of construction and stuff, but Alaska doesn't have usually terrible traffic compared to like big cities. Um, there are some cons, obviously. It is very far away from everything. Um, so if you want to get outside, which is that what we kind of call it, get outside or go to the lower 48, it, it takes money. It takes time. It takes planning. Um, a lot of Alaskans have their Alaska Airlines credit card. So you're always getting miles so you can take your family out. Um, and like we said, go to Hawaii go to somewhere warm in the winter time just to break it up because winter does last a really long time. Uh, we call it breakup in the, in the spring when it's just gets really nasty and, um, you're kind of ready for a break and then one day it'll be spring. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, this is why we live here. <laughs> um, so it can be really expensive. Um, but if you're smart with your money and just try not to just, I don't know, make a lot of frivolous purchases. It's definitely possible to have a very good life here. Um, but it is more expensive. We've been very blessed to have enough money to just buy good food and pay for our house and things like that. But it can be spendy. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely keeping them the, um, 
mortgage in there kind of as a steady expense too has been nice because um, a lot of people have been renting like their their rents have just been going up and up and up so having that that steady steady payment in there has definitely been a, a great thing um, so let me see i do have let me see got one more question in here oh there we go so one more question and guys i think that is going to be it if you have any others let's let's get them in here now because we're kind of in the kind of your final call now so from uh, Rainy Jackson, what's the biggest expense while living in Alaska, in your opinion? Um, home and food. You know, the mortgage and the heating and electricity and then food. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to agree. I mean, lately, too, just driving around in gas can be a little expensive, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah but that's all perspective, too, because... California is always higher than us and around yeah, the world. That's but, yeah, that's true. I mean, also, you know, I, I just recently moved from Eagle River out to Wasilla. And I mean, I was literally walking into work every day and like had no reason to, to really drive anywhere. So I'd have like one tank of gas. Oh, and the car I had at the time got about 45, 50 miles to the gallon. <laughs> so literally one tank of gas and I was good for the month. But, you know, now I'm in Wasilla and it's it's a little bit further to get anywhere. Yeah. And that is that is a true expense in the summertime. I was talking to someone the other day and he goes, I love road trips and I just can't even afford to drive anymore because in Alaska, the cities are far apart. So when like we talked about going to Homer, it's it's a lot of money to get to Homer. It's not cheap. And so you just you do have to factor in the price of gas. It's that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's also just, I guess, probably just being very conscious about where your money is going. Because, um, I mean, there's a, a lot of ways that your money can get spent. You have to just be very intentional and kind of take control of your budget. I know that's um, that's a word nobody likes to hear, but that's it's going to be part of your future if you live up here. <laughs> yeah. So we have, like I mentioned, we have an airplane. Um but in some people's brains, that's like, whoa, you have an airplane. But um, the time we bought it, my husband was still driving our car, my car from high school um, so that he could afford. And he has a master's degree, you know, so you make choices. Uh, he did finally upgrade that car because it really wasn't the best for commuting in the snow um, to just a small SUV. But um, you make choices. You know, he he bought the plane for thirty thousand dollars, which you couldn't buy it for that today, but, um, people buy big trucks that are way more expensive than that. So it's all perspective. You know, you gotta, you just gotta make good choices. Yep. Absolutely. So I've got a question real quick here from money dog. So what about making investments, um, to make money like real estate, flipping houses, etc.? So yeah, you can certainly do that. And I mean, you know, we do do it on a frequent basis and, you know, help people to, to kind of start building that long-term wealth. Um, it is not going to be a, a quick fix, get rich kind of thing, like uh, really anywhere, but in Alaska as well, just because our market's not as, I'm going to say volatile. It's not as volatile as you get in some other places like in California, where you can buy a place and then sell it for like 
a hundred grand more or something like that just um, a couple months later or whatever because of where you're at and how hot the market is. So you can definitely do it. Um, definitely let's let's get the, your feet under you and get everything else established and start putting investments into your your plan and your future once everything else is steady because investments um, don't really add a whole lot of stability if you don't have that stuff already established. <laughs> And from my perspective, we did a big home remodel and, you know, especially since the pandemic prices are of supplies to be doing like flipping is very expensive too up here. You got to think you can't just go and we don't have the options that people have other places. Um, so it can be kind of ex more expensive than people realize, but there are lots of ways to have different investments. Uh, we've, rent it, especially in the summertime with the tourist industry here, we've rented our car out on Turo. We have done Airbnb. Um, so there are different ways to kind of go around that too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I kind of think of myself as an investor first and kind of real estate agent second. I know for a lot of people that might come across as a surprise. Um, but no, I actually think of myself as an investor first. And I mean, you know, like Lauren said, I mean, they've uh, they've cracked the system. They've figured out how to how to monetize <laughs> the tourist season up here like like a bunch of pros. So that's that's really good. Emulate them. Um, you know, just understand that with investments is going to come some level of risk. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to go buy a fourplex. Yeah, and this is going to be just passive money. It's like, well, no, not really, because things are going to go wrong. Um, just to give you an example. Okay. So let me, let me explain you what I did with my afternoon today. So I have a bank that I'm with and I have my tenant who also has a bank. And what this tenant has been doing for the past years, just had, you know, his, his rent deposit directly into the account, just automatically sounds all good, right? Nothing could go wrong with that except this past month. Instead of putting the rent in there, it took that much rent out of my account. Yeah. And then when I went and um, filed a claim, got we thought we were going in the right direction. Instead of getting it figured out, they actually took double the amount of rent out of me. So at this point, I'm out 4600 bucks from this bank. So oh uh, yeah. That's uh, that's just some of the the stuff you're going to deal with as a landlord. So yes, it does give yeah. you that long term stability, and it's absolutely awesome. But um, it's definitely not going to be this um, get rich quick kind of a thing that it's it's I really presented. To you. I'll be out when I am. All right. Well, guys, it has been a great live stream. Got a quick uh, quick comment from K10A. Not a question. Just wanted. Um, uh, say thank you guys for the valuable information on today's episode. Lauren, I just want to second that. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, where is going to be the, the best place for people to connect with you who want to you know, view the channel and kind of see your family's journey? This Alaska Life on YouTube and Instagram. Um, that's where we're at. If you're more into the hunting, fishing, flying, that is the Alaska Boys. That's my husband taking the family or just the boys out on hunting, fishing adventures. So I show more of the home side. 
So like, for example, I'm working on a video of him taking my son on his moose hunt. And then I show us processing the moose as a family over on my channel. So they go really well together, but they're kind of hit different interests. Yep. Two completely different demographics. <laughs> All right. Well, Lauren, again, thank you very much. And um, for having me. You know, hey, anytime. Um, for those of you, I mentioned... Um, you know, mentioned a, um, a kind of an announcement at the end here. So here you go. I am um, actually going to be broadening kind of the, the perspective of the channel moving forward. So I actually do have local on the ground experts in all of Alaska now. So looking at Fairbanks, looking at Homer, looking at Kenai, looking at Juneau, looking in Kodiak, and we're going to have market updates and experts in all these different markets. And they're going to be, you know, dropping their um, their market updates on a monthly basis here very soon, so you guys can start getting, um, you know, start getting introduced to them, and um, you know, really starting getting comfortable with them. If you're wanting to move to one of those markets, then those are going to be outstanding, excellent resources for you guys to be taking advantage of. So it's, you know, not just a one-trick pony with South Central Alaska for you. So um, make sure you're looking out for that, and we will see you guys later.